Good morning. This is Captain Suba here, and I pray you've had a wonderful week. I'm here to toss you out a weekly lifeline in these rough waters of life. This is episode three of Captain Suba's Navigating Life's Daily Issues with the Bible. As we enter the new year, most of us make New Year, res- new year resolutions that almost always include financial goals that we know we need and plan to follow into the new year. As I hoped we learned in the past two podcasts, we need to attempt to remove worry from our life plan as much as possible. Because finances play such a large part of our worry, I felt it a perfect time to delve into this topic. So in tying the worry concept with our New Year's financial planning, let's see what the Bible has to say on financial principles. I call these next couple of episodes Biblical Finance 101 and 102. Let's dig in. As the third Monday of January approaches, more commonly referred to as Blue Monday, I assume we all know that this is said to be the most depressing day of the year. Why? Our Christmas credit card bills are about to arrive. The weather is typically gloomy, dark, and cold. Those extra pounds are showing up as we go back to work. And oh yeah, let's not forget those credit card bills are arriving As I've said, I've been blessed to have seen and experienced a lot of things. I've been very wealthy, and I've been totally broke. I had to rebuild my entire financial life from scratch at age 52 due to a multitude of self-inflicted decisions that I made. But from this, I learned valuable lessons in the area of personal finance and particularly how biblical principles can lead you out or keep you out of financial ruin. What surprised me the most was after I began rebuilding my financial life in 2008, I spent a lot of time preparing and offering courses on how to get out of debt. I hosted a radio show on personal finance, and yet these free or almost free tools were literally ignored. Nobody took me up on the offers. My good friend offered the same tools regarding credit repair to the same result. It seems that although a lot of people had harsh financial issues, they did not want to take the time or effort to resolve them. To this day, I do not have an answer for this other than it's just easier to hide from your problems and address them. Yet we all realize that hiding is not the answer, but where do you turn? Who do you seek? What YouTube video do you watch to solve your financial problems? Well, I suggest to you that none of these will solve your problems. Like most problems, we have to first look in the mirror and then to the Bible. Hopefully, we all have basic knowledge of finance and personal control, even if we choose to ignore it. So let's review some time-tested basic financial principles. Work creates revenue for us to live our lives. We must live within our means. We should always have a safety net in case of emergencies. Keeping up with the Joneses is not a good financial principle. Debt is only a way to get now what you can't afford, thereby mortgaging your future. Budgeting is essential. Being generous does return dividends. Investing wisely is a sound principle. And get-rich-quick schemes never work. I believe all of us will agree with most, if not all, of these principles, But we will also agree that following them is another story altogether. But what if I told you that these were all set out in the Bible? Would you believe me? 
Did any of you know that the Bible has personal finance sections? Well, let's investigate. I try to limit these shows to 12 to 15 minutes. Most people have limited time and a short attention span, so going much longer is not productive. So this topic will span two podcasts, Biblical Finance 101 and 102. Therefore, I urge you you to finish both of them in order to obtain the most benefit. I've also grouped these biblical principles into eight concepts rather than the nine I listed because it just was more in line with how the Bible lays them out. But if you will look, all nine, <clears throat> all nine concepts are referenced below. So, here we go. Principle one. The money you earn and the things you have are God's, not yours. He provides for you by giving you a skill set to earn a living. The first realization that one has to come to is that God created a method of every creature to survive. As to humans, he created work. This is the means to earn a living and thereby provide for yourselves and your family. So work is a godly thing and is something we should appreciate and honor. To each of us were granted skills and abilities which allow the human race as a whole to work together and provide all that is necessary to survive by doing different tasks. If all of us had the same skill set and did the same thing, we would not survive. Secondly, we have to grasp that everything belongs to God. The money we do earn is not ours, but a gift from him. He gives us the opportunity to earn it. We do the work, and we are therefore given the ability to spend the earnings. Therefore, if God is the one providing us through work, he should be directly involved in how we spend and manage our money. The truth to understand here is that prayer is a major piece of the earnings process. We are to have faith and trust in him and allow him to provide for us in accordance with his plan and our lives. Corinthians 9.8 says, And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Proverbs 8.20.21 says, I lead the way of righteousness in the midst of paths of judgment, that I may cause those that love me to inherit substance, and I will fill their treasures. Once we realize that God, not us, is the true source of our income, we can then get the correct viewpoint, which is that when we have difficulties, and even before, we should pray and ask God to take care of us, provide for us, and most importantly, thank him graciously for everything he gives us. The minute any of us begin taking personal credit for our successes, is always the beginning of a large-scale problem in the future. God always deserves the credit. We are to just do the work in accordance with his principles. But let's not get the wrong impression here. God is not punishing us by making us work. It's a gift. He considers work a good thing. In fact, directly and indirectly, the Bible speaks well of work in several places. Proverbs 14.23 says, In all labor there is profit. But the talk of the lips tendeth only to poverty. In Proverbs 28, 19, He that tilleth his land shall have plenty of bread, but he that followeth after vain persons shall have poverty enough. <clears throat> Between 2006 and 8, after I had literally lost everything I owned materially, and at the ripe old age of 52, I was in total despair and at a loss as to my next step. 
I prayed and prayed and nothing seemed to happen. Then one day I was led to realize how many talents God had actually given me and I was using none of them. I got up from my desk where I sat every day and felt sorry for myself and I made a list of my skills. By going logically through that list, I began seeking work in those areas. I first got a captain's gig delivering a yacht. Then I began doing odd jobs as a carpenter. Then I was asked to teach business law and accounting at a local college. And from that, I was given an opportunity to run a construction crew. And finally, was hired as a CFO of a large construction company. By 2016, some eight years later, I was again a boat owner and financially stable. But this story began as a prayer. It did not happen instantly. In fact, I deep down doubted I would ever, ever come out of my financial ruin. And that was a huge red flag, flag later of my failure of faith, which I now horribly regret. But on his timetable, in accordance with his plan, he took care of me and along the way dropped me care packages as I needed them every time on time. I'm a living testimony to what I'm saying here. Principle two, be satisfied with what you have and be thankful. As you earn money, give thanks. As you give thanks, sincerely appreciate what you have and avoid the trap of expecting more or better. It's okay to want to achieve and do better and provide better for your family, but it's not okay to demand more and spend more than you can afford. If your truck's getting you around, don't go buy a brand new one just because it looks nice or makes you look more prosperous. This causes lust for material things, which can turn to, into idolatry and envy. These create breeding grounds for trouble. Instead, plan, budget, and save, and strive to rise up in your employment to the point that you can truly afford a better truck. Buying a new truck is not bad. It's not a sin. It's not a problem. But doing so so before you're able will always lead to trouble. Hebrews 13.5 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So trust him and don't worry. Principle three, generosity is essential and provides an opportunity to share our faith. Because in reality God gives us our means of surviving, we need to remember to be thankful and generous with others. Luke tells us in Luke 6:38, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, and shaken together, and running over, shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet out is, shall be measured to you again. This not only applies to being generous with others, but includes tithing to the church. During my financial restart after 2008, I struggled to pay monthly bills. Nothing was left over for anything. My wife and I started going to church, and she insisted that we tithe. <laughs> Considering myself a financial expert, I tried to explain to her that when you make $100 and then you spend $100 on necessities, that there wasn't anything left over to give to anybody, let alone the church. But being the strong-minded master of the household that I was, we began to tithe. Of course, we did not tithe much, as 10% of a little is still a little, 
but we still faithfully tithed. At the end of the year, I'll never forget, I was doing our taxes, and the church had sent out the annual giving record. I opened it, and I was astounded. I ran upstairs, showed it to the whole family. We had survived that year, paid all of our bills, and had made a significant contribution to the church. How'd that happen, I asked. My wife just sat there and smiled and said, Well, I guess God's a better financial consultant than you are. And she was 100% correct, and we've tithed ever since. Furthermore, it's not just the church you need to be generous with. During the time that I was living a worldly and mostly godless, godless life, I was earning a good living and luckily, just luckily, was generous with my time and money. I helped people and did many favors. So during my financial restart, I found that this paid huge dividends. To a person, almost everyone that I had helped gave me a helping hand, a job, a reference, a loan, just generosity that I cannot ever repay. Every ladder step I took to climb back out of my financial mess was someone from my past that I had been generous with. That was a lesson I will never take for granted, nor I will ever forget or able to ever properly repay. Luke was 100% correct. Principle four, save and prepare. Proverbs 21.20 says, There is treasure to, to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man spend it up. In other words, always save and prepare for those inevitable unplanned occurrences. Again, this is tied to being satisfied with what you have, prepare, budget, and plan. Don't be a fool. God's being very clear here in his language. He calls those who do not follow this adage a fool. There's much more to say here, but I think the point's made. Next week, we will finish this topic and point to biblical teachings on budgeting and self-control, debt, and why it's troublesome, greed and hoarding, and get-rich-quick schemes. Again, all of these are addressed specifically in the Bible. So as we each begin 2023 and as Blue Monday approaches, let's add to our New Year's resolution to give God a try. Give the Bible a try. If 2000 was like it was for most people, what have you got to lose? Now remember, avoid worry, especially financial worry. Take these lessons to heart and have your best year yet. So catch us next week as we finish Biblical Finance 102. Until next time. May your skies be blue, the seas calm, and may the wind be on your stern. Captain Suba, out.